Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Milwaukee Basketball Hour presented by Hubie and Abraham and featuring Steve Novak. Tonight's special guest is the president, Milwaukee guard Malcolm Brogdon. Brogdon into the middle. Mm. What a beautiful left-hand scoop. Mm. Oh, boy. Did he give it to Isaiah Briscoe? Now, live from the tavern at Turner Hall, here's Steve Novak and the big unit, Bill Michaels. Back for yet another year. It's the Milwaukee Basketball Hour. I'm Bill Michaels alongside Steve Novak, our special guest tonight. If you want to put your hands together, Malcolm Brogdon is here with us as well. As uh, this time last year, this was a team kind of feeling itself out a little bit. Uh, you had uh, uh, a roster that was trying to get itself together and uh, going through a lot. Uh, it had some changes, obviously, in coaching. And then uh, this offseason happened, and one of the best, I think, pickups, Steve, uh, that is really not talked about is Brooke Lopez and what he has meant to this team. Obviously, everything has really started to come together. And then uh, Malcolm's playing well. you got Bledsoe playing well. The jettison of Jabari Parker when we had him on the program last year and uh, those discussions. But, man, you talk about a team right now, second most wins in the NBA, top spot in the East, and, and playing lights out basketball, five in a row. They sure are, and I think what you said is, is the biggest thing, is that this was a good team last year, but seeing how quickly uh, Coach Bud coming in and this team really becoming the best team in the league, because like you said, the best team in the East, second most wins, but they have right now the best record in the NBA. Milwaukee Basketball Hour brought to you by our friends at Hoopie and Abraham. Welcome, Malcolm. How are you doing, man? Good I'm to see doing you well. I'm glad to be here. So uh, a little bit different circumstance this year. Obviously, you're coming in, as I had mentioned, the, the credentials of the team. You guys, one of the top teams in the NBA, has, has the – did you see this coming when you're going through training camp and you're kind of getting Coach Bud's philosophy and you thought, okay, there's something special here? Or did all of a sudden as the season went on you thought, wow, we're, we're really a pretty good basketball team? Uh, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I didn't see it coming. Um, you know, we're a very talented team. We've had this talent for a few years now. Um, but we needed a coach that would provide structure, would provide discipline, make us move the ball, spacing. Um, and didn't just give us confidence to play and shoot the ball with freedom, and, and Bud has done all that. I know last year, and I, I want to go back, we had talked about fundamentals and the practice habits of Jason Kidd and Coach afterwards and about how he stressed fundamentals. What I've said, and you correct me if I'm wrong, this team looks like it has now all those stationary fundamentals. Now you've got somebody that says, just go have fun and go play basketball. Absolutely. Is that kind of the way it was? Uh, you know, uh, Jay Kidd was a coach that did stress fundamentals. He wanted people to play the right way. He did try to simplify the game for us. Um, but I think we needed more structure. And I think while Bud has given us the freedom to play and shoot the ball with freedom, um, I think he's given us structure and organized us better. Because when you look at it, Steve, this is a team that is, is tops in scoring, shooting percentages. You're talking about three-point uh, three percentage, but also rebounds. You know, And it's not something that we're used to saying, hey, the Milwaukee Bucks are a strong rebounding team. You know what I mean? No, you're right. And I think that's one of the first things, Malcolm, you said is the addition of Brooke Lopez. But I think that there seems to be this magic, right? Yes, Coach Bud came in, and yes, the Bucks were good last year, but in terms of Coach Bud, 
Give us a, you're with him every day. Give us a snapshot, a story, an example of we know he knows his X and O's. He coached for the Spurs. He won 60 wins with the Atlanta in his first season there. But what is it about Coach Bud, his presence, the way he treats his players, just something? Because there seems to be kind of a magic. When everybody talks about him, they always say, I love Coach Bud, and it's not always because, oh, he's, his X's and O's are so good. Give me something. Why is he so respected and loved, I think, by his players? Uh, you know, I think Coach Bud has the unique ability. Um, he has balance. I'd say that in his coaching style. He has the unique ability to get fired up, to get on you. But then, you know, you come to the huddle, you make a mistake, he really gets on you. You're embarrassed in the huddle. And then as you're walking out of the huddle, he draws up a play for you to shoot the ball. I mean, little things like that builds trust in your players. It allows your players not to get down on themselves, but understand they made a mistake. And then that coach still believes in me. He's going to give me an opportunity to redeem myself, to come out and shoot the ball. Last year you had said that we had talked about transition basketball, playing better defense, locking it down and scoring points. And you said, you know what, we're better defensively when we score, not better offensively because we play better defense. You guys have come out with that mantra this year. I mean, it's like uh, the, the words let it fly seem to be ready to go on T-shirts at any point in time. Uh, talk about that ability to get guys involved early on offensively, which then translates to the other end of the basketball court. Well, you know, I think uh, Coach Brud is a coach that, uh, you know, breeds confidence in his players. And the ability to shoot the ball is huge for him. And, you know, the, you can see by the free agents we've acquired this season, Urson, Brooke, guys like that can really shoot the ball from the perimeter. So there's a big emphasis on just letting the ball go, letting it fly. He says that often. Um, and he wants you to do that from the beginning of every game. If you have an open shot, he doesn't want you to turn it down. And it allows guys to build that confidence to sort of do what they do well and not – you know, second-guess themselves. Have you ever looked at him when he says, shoot? you ever look at him and just go, really? Yeah, because <laughs> you know? sometimes there's times where I don't want to shoot it. There are times where I'm open, I don't feel in rhythm, I don't, you know, it's not the shot I want, but right. he wants you to shoot it if you're open. Um, so it's, it's been an adjustment because we previously didn't have a coach that wanted you to shoot like that, didn't want you to shoot. He wanted things, you know, he wanted things differently. He didn't want you to shoot every time you were open. And now we have a coach that's just like, it doesn't matter who you are. If you're open, shoot the ball. Steve, you and I talked uh, about a week ago, and, and the one thing that's been so interesting is you're getting it from everybody. I mean, we know Giannis and Malcolm, and we know the guys, the main players, but, you know, Thon comes up big one night. We've seen, you know, uh, just different players every night come up large in so many different ways. Sterling Brown comes up large off the bench. Tony Snell's come up large off the bench. It seems like everybody's contributing in this team. They sure are. To me, watching. It seems to me that the reason the Bucks have the best record in the NBA, the reason that you guys are the best team right now is because of the balance. To have Giannis, the most dominant scorer in the paint, to have the shooting to counter that, to have the defense and the offense, the only team in the league right now, right, that's top five offense and defense in those ratings. I think that's really why, from a distance watching, you guys are able to be so successful, having lost two games in a row, because when the offense doesn't go, the defense is still there. When the perimeter shooting isn't there, you guys still have Giannis being so dominant. But your development, too, I feel like has been such a big part of that. And tell me, because I love watching you when you make a big shot. You've hit some big shots in the playoffs late in the, late in the season, in big games. You make a shot, and your face doesn't even change. Now, so I was a guy, when I made a shot, I was doing belts. I was just so excited. I was like, I got to get this out. You make a big shot, and you look like, yeah, that's what I was supposed to do. Is that intentional? Is that just who you are? How do you keep it in? Uh, you know, I, I think it's who I am. I've always been raised uh, on the term that don't let people see you sweating. So that's, that's sort of how I approach the game. I don't want people to see me too high, too low. Because um, win or lose, you know, it's going to be okay. Miss a big shot, make a big shot. Hooray, or you miss the shot. But regardless, 
I'm going to go home and have dinner, and I'm going to be okay. Uh, I got to ask you, because every day we're watching ESPN, we're watching NBA channel, we're watching MSNBC, all these different sports channels, and it's Harden and Giannis are the two MVPs. Now, you've played and seen James Harden play, and what he's doing right now is phenomenal. And you've seen Giannis's game expand. Give me the difference in what you believe, not necessarily who you think should be the MVP, but what you believe an MVP should be. Uh, I think an MVP is someone that affects the game in a multitude of ways, um, offensively, defensively, um, someone that can make his teammates better, um, someone that scores the ball at an extremely high level um, and can score in every facet of the game. But, um, you know, versatility is what I think of when I think of an MVP. I think of guys like LeBron James, Michael Jordan. Those are MVPs that are literally affecting the game on both ends in every way possible, to, and, and they're winners. Um, so versatility is, is the main thing I think of. So when you look at, say, Giannis's game and the way it's expanded, uh, how, much, how much better has he gotten since you've known him, and how much better do you think this guy can get? Because the only thing I see is that he's going to start popping further and further out to where his outside game's all of a sudden going to match his inside game, and then there's nobody that can stop the guy. I mean, Giannis, is, his, his work is proven. Um, he's, a, he's put himself in the top five player in the league conversation. Um, but I think at this point for Giannis, it's, it's his jump shot is the only thing that, you know, people are saying that will make him, you know, one of the greats of all time. And I think he works so hard, he's going to get a better jump shot. That's something that comes. That's something with confidence and repetition. That's something that's not going to happen with a, when you get your coach for what, the, you know, his first year. It's not going to transform your jump shot. That's something that takes time. You can ask Steve about that. It's confidence. It's, it's just repetition over time. But Giannis, I mean, he works so hard. He's going to continue to get better and better every season. You're going to see a jump in his game every season. You're going to see his IQ go up. You're going to see his leadership go up. Um, but at this point, it's the intangibles. Giannis can go out and have 40 or 50 points every night if he wanted. But it's not about that. That's not going to make him win championships. That's not going to make him win MVP. It's about bringing his teammates along with him. It's about winning games. Um, and doing it the right way. And, Steve, you played with a guy that went from being a guy that played above the rim in Dwayne Wade to all of a sudden he became this jump shooter. I, when he left early, I thought, man, it's going to be tough for him because it's hard to play big in the NBA when you're small. And all of a sudden he developed this outside jump shot. And he didn't do it uh, in a matter of an offseason. I mean, it was a couple of years where he really got smooth with it. But you know how hard that is. No, it is hard. It is hard. And I think a, a lot of it is exactly what Malcolm was just saying. It, it's not easy to just be a guy who was driving the ball and to – you know, doing mid-post your whole career, and all of a sudden you're asked, hey, I want you to just kind of be in the corner at times, catch and shoot, let it go, and just don't think about it. Just make it go in. And I think that's a big reason Brooke Lopez has been so impressive this year. He went from a guy that he really, in his first eight seasons, he only took 31 threes. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden he's top ten in three-pointers made. And so I think that, you know, like, like Malcolm said, the, the work that Giannis puts in and the repetitions and the way that he's shown that he can improve is why there's no question it's going to come but. On that, Malcolm, I want to know, do you think Giannis needs to, because there's been kind of, Giannis needs to develop that three-point shot for this team to really be special. He's got to be a perimeter threat. At the end of games, it seems like the perimeter guys get shots around the league. Can this team be an absolute contender with Giannis playing the way that he does, scoring most of his points inside instead of being confident shooting outside because of the pieces that you guys have? out there to shoot the threes? I think so. I think this team can still be um, a championship caliber team. Um, But I think a lot of it depends on how we do this year at the end of the season. I think that will be how far we go. Um, If we win a championship, I think that will will be the judge for us. When you look at this team moving forward and you've played Golden State, you I mean, you've played just about everybody at this point. You've beaten the best. 
Um, what does that do for the confidence of this team moving forward? It's huge. Um, you know, it, it gives us confidence early on in the season, going into all-star break. Um, you know, we've beaten the Warriors, we've beaten the Jazz, we've beaten the Rockets, we've beaten them at their homes. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's a huge confidence booster for us. So uh, remembering that, but also not getting complacent, not being okay with it, um, continuing to make that push because – those are the teams we'll have to play again if we make it to the finals. Going to go ahead and take a quick break. This is the Milwaukee Basketball Hour featuring Steve Novak. I'm Bill Michaels. Malcolm Brogdon alongside. We are broadcasting live tonight at Tavern uh, here at Turner Hall. So if you want to come by, uh, it's open to the public. Come on in and say hello to us. We're going to go ahead and take a big, quick break. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. It's the Milwaukee Basketball Hour featuring Steve Novak. I'm Bill Michaels. It's brought to you by our friends at Hupy and Abraham, who also give you the injury report. Right now, Bucks a uh, pretty clean bill of health when you talk about the injury report. You've got the Hornets. Uh, Coney Zeller missed last night's game. Could be out uh, against the Bucks on Friday. But as far as the Bucks go, uh, we have Malcolm Brogdon here with us. As I had mentioned, Steve Novak's alongside. We're back again, uh, back together again for another year, which is good. We never even really kind of had a happy reunion so to speak oh, <laughs> they brought us back it was so good they had to bring us back <laughs> uh but, but but malcolm go back to connington who gave you a lot of quality minutes early on kind of energy minutes goes down with an injury sterling brown steps in he takes over and really hasn't looked back since it's been kind of a almost an embarrassment of riches for guys that have been able to be roller players on this team this year hasn't it well yeah you know uh the nba is a is a game of opportunity that's something steve always told me when i was a rookie you're going to get your opportunity it's just about being ready for it staying prepared and taking advantage of it when it comes. So um, with this team, you, you know, you have basically five guys that are solidified going to play a lot of minutes every game. So for everybody else, it's about being ready when you come in the game um, and taking advantage of your opportunity. One of the things we talked about last year, Steve, as the season ended was getting into that first round, you know, and there's a lot of fans that still say, man, the Bucks are playing well, one of the best records in the NBA, and they kind of got their arms folded saying, get out of the first round. I think this team's not only going to get out of the first round, I think they're going to do some damage, but – what did you take away, Malcolm, from the end of season last year? Um, just, I mean, it, it was a reminder of how hard it can be. Um, you know, when you, when you play a team like the Celtics in the first round, uh, you've got to be ready to play, but you've got to be ready to finish the series. And I don't think we were quite, yet, quite there yet mentally to finish the, se- the series like we had started it. Um, and, I mean, I think that the season we showed growth, but there were a lot of, um, you know, different things that happened, whether it was injuries. I went down. Um, we had a coaching change. I mean, that stuff alters, you know, how your season can go. And obviously, you know, Bill, you just touched on, too, I think the depth that you guys have, having D.J. Wilson step in and play the way he has. Sterling Brown, those guys. Was D.J. Wilson a guy who, in practice, you guys all saw? You know, he was a little bit banged up early in the year. I just look at talking about the postseason, their value, Sterling Brown, D.J. Wilson, those guys coming in and being able to play those minutes is exactly like you're saying. For you guys, to, the starters, to be fresh, to be energized, to not have overplayed minutes, do you think that could be perhaps one of the biggest values that this bench brings? And can you talk about D.J. Wilson a little bit? And did you guys know that he was this good and he was just kind of at practice that good, but we didn't get to see him in the game as much? Well, um, to answer your first question about the balance, I think that's what Bud is, I think, best at in terms of balancing how much people play. I mean, if you look at our minutes every game, unless it's a very unique game and people are down with injury or someone's really not playing well, everybody stays, including Giannis, everybody stays around their same minute threshold. And it actually varies with the starters. Everybody's within a five-minute threshold. And that, honestly, has been pretty, uh, pretty amazing to me watching that because most coaches in the NBA can't, don't have that down. They don't have their rotations that set and, you know, know what they want going into a game and ability to keep it during the game. 
Um, so that balance is going to be huge for us going into the playoffs, having guys rested, having guys healthy. Uh, DJ was had a terrific summer. I think he might have had the best summer. was the biggest surprise this summer. He had come back. His confidence was completely different. Um, shooting the ball, moving, everything he did on the floor, he was doing it with confidence. He was doing it at a high level. Um, and everybody, including the coaching staff, was very impressed with him. Everybody knew he'd come to the season and shock fans in Milwaukee, but also, um, you know, play a lot of minutes and really help this team this year. Went, unfortunately, he went down with an early injury. Um, that set him back a little bit, but as you can see, he's back on track. And he's, I mean, I think he's been a terrific, um, a terrific help for us. What has, and a few fans had asked some questions earlier tonight, uh, what has it meant to open up the Fiserv to have one of the premier facilities in the NBA now and then also to have the new facilities that you guys are working out in all right there? It seems like we're talking about a much healthier team this year. I don't know how much that has to do with it, but that is something that you know, people have made a note of. Well, you know, I think we have, uh, you know, outside of that, I, I think the facilities have been great. That definitely helps. But I think more so it's who's in the facility. And we have a great performance staff, a great medical staff, uh, physios, uh, strength trainers, um, the the guy Troy Flanagan that's over our medical staff that oversees it. These are former rocket scientists. So, I mean, we have people that are legit, that are uh, sort of world-renowned, and they are working with the Bucks, and that is why we are able to stay healthy. How is it to come to work every day and still have the new building smell, so to speak, for lack of a better term? It's awesome. The facilities are great. Um, having all the, whether it's uh, all the modalities, so the cold tub, the hot tub, the steam room, the cryotherapy, all that stuff to recover and uh, rejuvenate your body, it's, it's, it's the difference. Now that you have that new building, and this is something that's going to be talked about a lot over the next six months, is when this team goes to take whatever next step it happens to be, come the offseason, free agency, things like that, um, not only guys inside the building, but the team itself has to then go out and maybe recruit a free agent or two, and you may have a decision to make. What does that building and that facility and the way you guys are treated here mean for people that say maybe Milwaukee might be a destination for me? Uh, you know, I think first we've got to win, and that's what we're doing right now. And then second, I think we have the facilities. I think we have the stuff in place to attract free agents. A guy like Brook Lopez isn't going to come to Milwaukee for anything. And I think he comes here, he sees Pfizer, he sees uh, the training facility, and he says, I can, I can make a good career here, and I want to I be here. Yeah, and I want to you know, talk about, too, because you talk about the, the facilities and how much that means. And it just kind of reminded me, too, you're a guy who, who played in college last night, played against a guy, Jalen Brunson, who played in college. And there's kind of, because you're a thoughtful guy, I want to know your thoughts on, on guys being able to come out of high school straight to the draft. Because watching the game yesterday against the Dallas Mavericks, you're out there, played in college, you see your, the skills that you have that you, <clears throat> that you clearly developed while you were there. Jalen Brunson, he starts, he has 16 points yesterday. And this, this debate is going again now about should guys be able to come out of high school. Being a guy who played in college, but I think has a great perspective on the game and the business of basketball what are your thoughts on guys being able to come out early versus having to go to college well you know i think one thing you have to keep in mind is everybody comes from a different whether it's background financial background socioeconomic class however you want to look at it and uh i think for a lot of guys if you have the opportunity to go to the nba for example if they had let zion williamson who's a former duke player come out of uh high school he'd have been as good as he is right now coming out of duke out of college and I think that's something that they need to let players do. From strictly financially, I think they've got to let guys go because guys come from different financial backgrounds, and everybody's situation is different. Is there the difference between a guy that you know could come in and perform, like you said, right away, versus the guys who would love to go to the NBA but maybe not mature-wise are ready? 
Uh, for sure. You know, I think, I think with me saying that, of course, they're going to be guys that decide to come out of high school and aren't ready. And it might honestly ruin their career. That actually, that's, they're going to be guys like that coming out. But they're also guys that are going to come out of college early and it's going to ruin their career because they came out too early. I don't think that one year of college is that big of a difference to withhold guys from not letting them come out of high school. I know there's guys that are the exception to the rule. When you talk about some of the guys that have come out and had a lot of success, though that's the abnorm. How many years do you think being in college is, is, is a good foundation for a guy that wants to get into the NBA? How long did you go to college? I was in college for five years. Oh, my right. Is right. that the right number, you think? But when you look at it, I mean, some, but some people mature. Some people don't even know how to do a checkbook by the time they get to the NBA. Right. You know, they've got people that could rob them blind. I mean, well, what point do you feel is enough maturity, both on and off the court, to really say I can handle what this is going to bring you? Oh, I, I think it's different for everybody. I think everybody matures at a different rate. Um, but I think around the two or three year mark, um, okay. give or take, whoever it is, um, a guy like me, honestly, I feel like I could have, even if my, I'm not talking skill set, but I'm talking about maturity. I feel like I was mature enough after my, maybe after my second year to come out. But everybody's not like that. Some guys are ready after their first year. Some guys are ready to step into that. Um, but I would say all around, I'd say two or three years. Looking at the makeup of this team, you got, uh, like I mentioned, a lot of depth, a lot of quality guys. It seems like, and I hate to compare this to the 2000-2001 team, but it seems like there's a genuine like. There's this fun. Now, you haven't hit the skid where you lost two or three in a row. Let's hope you don't. But it seems like there's a genuine fun to playing basketball again in Milwaukee. Absolutely. Well, you know, it, it starts from the top, top down. So you have a coach that um, wants people to play together. He makes the environment positive, encouraging. And then players feed off of that. So you have it goes from coach to the coaching staff to Giannis, and then it feeds down from there. And if all those people are positive, if they're encouraging, if they're having fun every day, if everybody's joking and laughing but also knows when to get serious, when to work, when to hold each other accountable um, and still have fun with it, I mean, it's, it's going to be a great season. The big thing for Coach Bud, and I'll step over Steve here for just a second, but the big thing is he's moved guys around. You, you may not be playing the one every night. You may be playing the two. Guys have moved. He's moved Giannis around. Um, the versatility that this team has, does it really matter positionally what it is you're paying? Obviously, you're not going to play a five, but you know what I'm saying? That It seems like, guys, you've gone small at times. You've gone big at times. It seems like there's a lot of versatility with this team. You're not locked into just being a one or a two. Absolutely. You know, I think a team like or an organization like Golden State sort of, uh, sort of set that mold for everybody um but i think popovich has been doing it for years and that's where coach bud came from he came from the spurs organization it's sort of a position of basketball where everybody can play the you know the one through five basically of course you're not going to see brooke bringing the ball up the floor but you're going to see brooke trailing and shooting long threes Mm -hmm. and i think that works to our advantage that we have guys that are versatile that can score inside and out and that can play multiple positions and does that play also into the fact that we had touched on this just a second ago that you guys have not lost two games in a row. The versatility and the ability for you guys to really adjust on the fly, make the adjustments. Have you made major adjustments after you guys have lost games and say, there's something we got to do, we got to win the next game? Or is this just kind of who you guys are? You're able to step up, respond right away? Because to not lose two games in a row, it's one of the, the, the longest streaks that any, any NBA team has ever had to go this far into the season and not lost two what is it about this team that allows you guys to just continue night after night to be there? Well, you know, I think if you look at uh, most of our losses, I can't say all of them, but most of them, our, our losses come down to energy and effort. I don't think we have the effort there. I don't think we come out of the game with a lot of energy. Um, 
So that's been the main adjustment. It's not X's and O's. It's not something coach puts in. It's him challenging us and telling us, look, we lost this team already. Let's not lose to them again. And it's sort of having a respect about ourselves that we're not going to lose twice in a row to a team. You guys come out of Golden State, huge win, uh, flying high. You guys aren't getting beat by the Clippers. Fans are going, wait, wait a minute, how, how do you lose the Clippers? And you know, So talk about a game like that. Is it just that you came out of Golden State flying so high that maybe there was that letdown? Is that something that's what you're talking about? I think a little bit, um, and it's sort of the process of a maturing team. Um, we're still fairly young, and uh, having a big win like that, we didn't go into Golden State and win on a buzzer beater. We went in there and won by 20 points. Right. And that might have been a shock to other people, but it was a little bit of a shock to ourselves because um, we were starting to realize our potential and how good we could be this season. Um, and then going in and, and playing the Los Angeles Clippers, it's, it's, I wouldn't even call it a trap game because that's actually a very good team. That's a team that's playing very well this year. Doc Rivers is a terrific coach. Uh, they're playing at a high level, but it's a game that we should have won. It's a game that sort of slipped away from us at the very end. Um, and if we had played a little bit harder and been more focused going into the game, we could have won. Now, at, at, how do you stay, like you said, you didn't realize how good this team could be. There's a fine line between cocky, arrogance, and being grounded and understanding your potential. How do you walk that fine line as a team, and how do you walk that fine line more and more and more? People are starting to look at you. Giannis, obviously, on SportsCenter again today, two big dunks, posterizing dunks, number one as far as their top ten goes. How do you stay grounded? Uh, I think individually you have to find ways. So for me, um, I, don't spend, I don't spend a lot of time with other people. Um, I, I do a lot of time just – whether it's watching TV, whether it's reading, whether it's just in my apartment reflecting. I don't, I don't like to I don't, I stay off social media. I stay off all that stuff. Um, but I think everybody individually, you have to do that before the team can do it as a group. And then as a team, I think a lot of it is the coach's job to keep us humble, to keep us in film, to keep us understanding that we make, we're, con- we're going to continue to make mistakes, but we can work through those and continue to get better. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break. Uh, we obviously started out talking about injuries, the Hupie and Abraham injury report. If you're injured, call Hupie and Abraham. Those guys are voted best, rated best year after year after year, and uh, they're sitting right here in front of us, as a matter of fact, as well. So talking about heading down to the Super Bowl, and hope we'll see you down there as well. Uh, by the way, if you want to come by and say hi, we are uh, broadcasting live here at the Tavern at Turnin' Hall. If you want to come by and, uh, you know, Wish Malcolm the best or say hi to Steve or whatever you'd like to do. Maybe order something to eat and drink. Come on by. We're also brought to you by our Green Bay Packers Legends Cruise, the Tavern at Turner Hall, Baird Private Wealth Management, and the Wisconsin Athletic Hall of Fame. we got more of the Milwaukee Basketball Hour coming up right after this. Welcome back. It's the Milwaukee Basketball Hour featuring Steve Novak. I'm Bill Michaels. Malcolm Brogdon of the Milwaukee Bucks alongside. We are broadcasting live at Tavern at Turner Hall. If you want to come down, right across the street from the old Bradley Center. And uh, I I tell you what, uh, Steve, I know that uh, Dwayne Wade was in town and he had talked about it. Uh, You know, Malcolm, obviously you've got some uh, time in the Bradley Center. Kind of sad to see that building sitting over there so dark and dank and no roof. Oh, it makes me so So many great memories in that place. I know. It's sad. Yeah, Dwayne said he didn't get anything out of there. He's like, the building's coming down. I didn't get anything out. And apparently they sold everything at auction. There was like the guitars and the photos and the jerseys and everything, and I had no idea. Yeah. And then they were like, we gave everything to Restore, these stores. So I tried to go to Restore and get some, some memorabilia, and they're like, no, no, that's been gone for months. Really? So. I don't know, Malcolm. You might have only been there what a year, two, two years, years, two years. They probably didn't have any of your memorabilia. Two years. So, you're, yeah. are you that sad to see it go as I am? I played there in college, but I am not as sad as you <laughs> as you are, unfortunately. Here's the thing, though. That was the second oldest building in the NBA, 
and you could have eaten off the floors the way they took care of that place. Yeah. I mean, it was a cavernous place. But I remember back, Steve, you probably do too, when that was voted by Sporting News as the best sixth man in the NBA back in the early 2000s. 99, it went back to the postseason with George Carl after the strike year. And in 2000, when they took off and started going to the Eastern Conference Final, that place was deafening. It definitely was. I remember being there, there in the in 2001, and it was the loudest place I'd ever been in. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, Malcolm, you get to go to every building and see all the new buildings. Sacramento built theirs. Atlanta just put $200 million into theirs. You know, being somewhat from Milwaukee, if you go to the Bradley Center, I used to go and think, this is amazing. I mean, look at these concession stands. It's fancy. Yeah. But then you travel around, you see some of the other buildings, and you quickly realize, yeah, it's the second oldest building, and yeah. it needed to be updated. And I think five serve now. Malcolm, how you like playing there? It's, it's awesome. Um, you know, I think it's uh, – I think it's the nicest arena in the league. Uh, it's the newest, but um, I think our owners have done a great job, uh, you know, committing to that, building it, and just making it as, as nice as they could. I remember when they built Conseco uh, down in Indianapolis, and that was like one of the shrines at the time, and uh-huh. that's kind of, you know, faded. It's not the, the king of basketball anymore. I remember when they were back in the Eastern Conference Finals going to Philly. What was that? The Wachovia Center, I think, is what it was called, mm-hmm. or something like that. At that point, mm-hmm. and that place was new, and I'm I'm expecting this is going to be great. That place was a dump. It was dirty <laughs> on the inside. They put a curtain up. And we were eating mac and cheese in a corner for the Eastern Conference Finals, for God's sakes. <laughs> I hear I'm you. thinking, no. man, I can't wait to get back to the Bradley Center and just have some good food. And unfortunately, we didn't get to the finals that year. But nevertheless, man, it was it was uh, it was a dump. So this place is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> do Malcolm, do you prefer? Because I know some guys they like kind of the dark background. Some of the arenas they have like the stage lighting, right? You know, Pfizer form is a little bit more lit. Do you prefer like a dingy gym? Do you like to go back to your YMCA days, or do you like the shiny new? The rims are always the same. Do you have a if you could build a perfect basketball setting, what would it be? Ah uh, man, I so there are specific gyms that are harder to shoot in, and it's ones that you know the arena is really big. It, it seats a lot of people, but it's also really bright in there. It doesn't get dark behind the backboard. Uh, it's just like it's it's tough to shoot in there. It's depth perception is off. Spoken like a shooter. I right, love it. it. You got to be able to see is, the rim. Right. You got to be able to see it. Um, I wouldn't. I, I love Madison Square Garden. Um, it's very. I don't know if anybody's been in there. It's it's dark around other mm-hmm. than the court. The court is where the only light is. Um, but a place like ours has great depth perception. It's a great shooting gym. Um, I can't say that there is a perfect gym in the arena. I mean, in the in the league right now. But um, you know, we have a very good one. What What about like a Final Four? We're shooting in a, in a in a basically a football yes. stadium. Yes. How exactly difficult is something what, like that? What Malcolm is saying. Well, I found the, the the Final Four run that we had. We were playing in domes, and it was the first time that obviously we played in a dome because you're playing in college arenas. And everybody started to talk about, oh, are they going to be able to be as good? Can they make shots with, the like you're saying, the bad depth perception? Because right. in domes, it's like they just put the basketball court in the middle. Right. There's 80,000 seats, and the closest wall is like a quarter mile back. Right. So when you stand in front of the rim and you look, you can kind of see the rim, but it's usually well lit behind it, and it's kind yeah. of floating there. So we made shots that year. Did you ever play in any domes? Malcolm? I don't think we made it as far as the Final Four, so we didn't uh, we didn't get the opportunity to do that. You went to college that. for five years and you never went to the Final <laughs> and, Four? And went to an Elite Eight and didn't make it to the Final <laughs> okay. Four. Yeah. Uh, it's good stuff. It's uh, But it's different. I mean, it this year, different. what, Minneapolis, right? Uh, U.S. Bank Stadium, I think, is where they're playing the Final Four at, right? Yeah. But, yeah. Okay. No, and it is interesting to watch because sometimes they play those games on the ships in the preseason. You yeah. know, they'll be a little bit outdoors. They'll play them in Arizona, and I'm always like, yeah. as a shooter – 
Are you kidding me? I can't I imagine to, that. You yeah. got to have the perfect, you know, some guys, right? Like you take Giannis, for example. People say, you know, why does he not shoot the ball as much? I'm like, he's never needed to. He can right. get by his guy every time. Right. He could play on a ship. He could be on a, he right. could be moving. It wouldn't matter. <laughs> For, for a shooter, right? Yeah. It just takes a little wind and a little right. something in your air ball. And so. Hey, uh, besides Madison Square Garden, what's some of the places that you feel really comfortable going into? Uh, I've always liked Charlotte. Um, another one, I've always liked, I've always loved Orlando. Um, Why does everybody like Orlando? Because Orlando, I've been Orlando there a couple is, of times. It's, just a, it's a great shooting gym. Yeah. It's great. Um, the lighting in there is perfect. Uh, the court in the, in the gym doesn't seem too big. Um, what's another one? Uh, I've always liked San Antonio. Uh, San Antonio seems small. It yeah. seems very uh, Similar, comfortable. Though, darker in the end. Dark, yeah. yeah. Um, but those are the main ones. Okay. What about as a player, obviously as a fan or if you're just going to an arena, right, you get to see the concession stands. You get to see the concourses. I remember finishing my career and thinking, I've never even been in any of the arena concourses. I don't even know what they look like. Yeah. Right. What about so Orlando? I always loved because it had the softest carpet in the locker room. Yeah. So something that no one would ever think, but I used to love stretching, getting my old man stretches in, and the carpet was soft. Are there places where behind the scenes no one else would see, but you love it because it's really hot in the locker room? Absolutely. That's, those are the little things that players pay attention to. So, for example, we were in Atlanta maybe a week ago, and it was freezing in the hallway. So you'll, you'll, for us, we come out of the locker room, we stretch and do all of our stuff to get loose in the hallways. But the temperature matters. And if the temperature's off, if it's not what you like, if it's too hot, if it's muggy, if it's, you know, too cold as it was in Atlanta, I went back in the locker room and stretched, and it messes up my routine just a little bit. And, uh, you know, not, not to where I'm going to play bad, but it's just a little off, and stuff like that matters. It's stuff you take note of when you, every time you go to a gym. And that, that building, correct me if I'm wrong, that's right there with Mercedes-Benz yep. and the yep. Georgia Dome. They're all yep. right there next to one another, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah, right Which there. is a uh, Super Bowl coming up on Monday when they do the opening night. They'll be inside that uh, State Farm Arena. Yep. Correct me if I'm wrong. Hey, by the way, speaking of uh, things to do, if you're thinking of warmer uh, climates, the Green Bay Legends Cruise invites you to join them on their second annual legendary tailgate at sea. If you want to check it out, go to uh, GreenBayLegendsCruise.com today. GreenBayLegendsCruise.com today. And if you use the word Blake, B-L-A-K-E, Blake 10, you get 10% off. And so come the off season, and hopefully it's not very soon. Uh, once you did get into the off season this past year, what what what'd you do? What trip to trigger for you? Uh, you know, I usually take a trip um, uh, right after the off season. I usually take about two weeks off. Uh, and during those two weeks, I take a family trip. Um, I think this past summer, uh, it was either this past summer or the summer before I went with my family to Mexico. Um, but I always try to take something to just ease my mind, uh, rest my body before I jump right back into it. Um, and then throughout the summer, I try to take two other weeks. Uh, you know, so it's two weeks right after the summer, then maybe a week in June, a week in July that's off, and I travel during each of those weeks. So I try to take about uh, two to three really international trips during the summer. I know you'd like to be playing in it, but what would you do during the All-Star break? Relax? Uh, actually, this year, so there's uh, the... There's a NBPA, so the National Basketball uh, Players Association, um, is having. They have a summer meeting and a winter meeting, and the winter meeting this year is in the Bahamas. So I'll be in the Bahamas. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with There's that. Nothing wrong. Nothing with wrong with that. They know, they know how to plan here. the meeting. Yeah, yeah we're gonna go ahead and take a quick Bahamas. break. Let you kind of ponder that thought for a minute, uh, as Malcolm Brogdon. And I, I'm sure he's thinking of warmer climates as well. Gonna go ahead and take a quick break. Uh, we got another segment of the Milwaukee Basketball Hour featuring Steve Novak. I'm Bill Michaels. Malcolm Brogdon alongside, broadcasting live at Tavern at Turner Hall. We'll be back right after this. Whoa! 
Welcome back. Final segment of the Milwaukee Basketball Hour featuring Steve Novak. I'm Bill Michaels, Malcolm Brogdon, and the Milwaukee Bucks alongside. We're broadcasting live at Tavern at Turner Hall. Also want to remind you of the Green and Gold Charity Softball Game presented by Thornberry Creek in the LPGA Classic. It's hosted by Devontae Adams and Blake Martinez. Saturday, June 1st, Fox City Stadium in Appleton, Wisconsin, which is the home of the Timber Rattlers. Go to TimberRattlers.com. That's TimberRattlers.com for tickets and all the information. Again, thanks to our fine sponsors, Hupi and Abraham, Green Bay Legends Cruise, Tavern at Turner Hall, Baird Private Wealth Management, uh, the Wisconsin Athletic Hall of Fame, and so many other great sponsors that put this program on. And uh, so, Malcolm, as the season trudges forward, you guys sitting here with one of the best records, the best record in the NBA, uh, confidence level really high, but uh, as you get towards that, end of that season you start jockeying for position it seems like you guys have won five in a row you keep banging away and you can't get distance away from the toronto raptors you got some good competition right now in the east the east is pretty deep oh excuse me there we go that's cool absolutely um you know i I agree with you i think uh no matter how well you play um whether you're at the top of the league or the bottom they're going to be teams that are close to you and toronto is always one of those teams in the past that's been a kryptonite for us so uh you know, we're going to play – we're going to – I think we're going to finish the season strong, but we have to keep in mind we're going to have to play the Celtics or, or the Raptors, and we're going to have to beat them to move on. So that's that's the mindset. And how important for you guys going into the end of the season is home court, is having that high seed. Is it going to be a we believe we can beat anybody, doesn't matter what seed we are, or is it, look, we want to be the – we want to have the best record. We want to be the one seed. Oh, we want to be the one seed. We want home court. Um, as you can see, the past two years we've been in the playoffs – that seventh game really matters. Um, it's just, it's that's just how it goes. When you're at home and you have a great fan base, those people usually give you the energy, especially in the playoffs, the edge that you need to win the game. When you talked about trying to get home court last year, you guys didn't have the success on the road, and we got into that discussion about different energies. Uh, you played extremely well at Pfizer, but it's only three or four losses, I think, at home so far this year. Has that been not just a new building, but has that just become this fortress where that you walk into the building and there's this level of confidence that's through the roof? Absolutely. Um, I'd lie if I said we didn't have more confidence at home than we have on the road. When we know we have our fans, we have our city behind us, we know the rims, we know the feel of the gym, that we feel like we're unstoppable at home. So, obviously, that's important. Do you, if by chance... What did you learn from last year about going on the road? Because that was that was something that was difficult, and we talked about that a couple. For of sure, times. Uh, you know you got to be resilient. You got to be tough. Uh, you honestly have to bring more energy to road games than you do home games because you're going to get less calls going your way. Um, less shots are going to fall usually. Um, and finishing games, you're going to have more close games. You're going to have to learn how to finish games better. Yeah. Is it tough to get into a rhythm on the road? Uh, it can be. It can be. Um, you know, the toughest thing is long road trips. And a lot of the time, it's how you start the road trip. So if you go into a road trip and you have a really rough start, you have a bad game where you lose, that can really paint the picture for the rest of the road trip. Um, but, you know, on our road trips, we've been able to go in and start our road trips well, win games, and sort of it's a domino effect. We continue to win. And, and what has it been? Why is it that, you know, if you guys have lost in the rare cases that you have, if a team beats you the next time that you play them, you beat them by an average of 27 points. I never really heard of a statistic like that. The average NBA game is usually a two, three, four point game. So a team that was better than you at some point in the season, you play them the second time. Are you guys circling that team on the calendar and saying like, oh, we got to show them. We have to do something crazy. But how are you winning against the teams that have beat you this year by 27 points? Everybody on our team makes a mental note of teams that beat us. We've lost so few times this season. You remember the teams that beat you because those are games you feel like you shouldn't have lost. So... Um, when you keep that in the back of your mind and you go into, you know, playing that team for a second time, 
you have a sort of a, it's like a little grudge you've held since the first time. You talked last year about leadership, and, and even though yourself and Giannis and some of these guys were growing into the roles, um, you were looking at guys like Tony Snell and guys that have been there done that. How has the leadership and the confidence level of leadership transferred? Because Tony was kind of that mentor, the guy that's been there, done that. But now you guys, you're growing up. I mean, you can see it. I mean, it's obviously there's a mature effect. You were talking about that earlier. How has that matured and how has that matriculated through a lot of the team members? Uh, you know, I think uh, Tony is still a leader on the team. I think uh, Bled, Brooke, Giannis, Chris, all these guys are leaders on the team. But I think you have a team that is growing up that's not as young as we were, you know, two years ago. Um, and I think we have a great leader in Bud that um, really empowers everybody to be a leader, everybody to speak up, everybody to hold each other accountable. That was going to be my next question. It was the word that I think you guys use a lot on the, on the broadcast is accountability, and you talk about that. So what has Bud brought, that, as far as accountability goes, that has made it so much better inside that locker room? I think he holds Giannis accountable. When Giannis messes up or whether it's shoot a bad shot or, it's, uh, you know, have a lapse on defense and, and give up an bu easy bucket, he holds Giannis accountable like he would everybody else. So that sort of sets the tone for everybody understanding that, you know, coach is holding Giannis accountable. He's the best player on the team, clearly, but he's going to get on him like he's going to get on me so I can respect that and I can do my part. That was kind of like when Pop, you, were, you played for Pop. Pop grabbed the biggest and the baddest and said, I'm going to make an example out of you first. Everybody else falls in the line. Yeah, I think, just like Malcolm was saying, I think guys appreciate that. They like knowing, all right, if Giannis messes up, He's going to make sure he pulls him aside, talks to him exactly how he would have talked to Malcolm or anybody else on the team, and just say, hey, you know, we, we, you know the game plan. You know the expectation. It's, it's not all right. And I think, like you said, it just trickles through the team. And if, if you know Giannis is going to be talked to that way, then guess what? When you get cussed out by the coach, yeah. it's fine. You, gotta, you don't you act like, listen. he's doing it to me. Why isn't right. he talking to Giannis? You go, I better take because I just watched Giannis yeah. get talked to all kind of ways. So. Right. Does Giannis appreciate that? Absolutely. I think Giannis Not knows. that you don't want you to speak for him, but, I mean, just you can tell whether or not a guy appreciates being coached. I think Giannis uh, is one of the most coachable superstars in the league, if not the most coachable. That's one thing I've always been. You know, his hard work was always the thing that caught my eye with him, but um, his ability to listen to his teammates and heed advice, even when a lot of the time he doesn't need advice. He can really just go out and get it done. Um, he still listens. He still gives you a chance to talk. He still gives you a chance to uh, sort of give your opinion and your take on the game. The biggest thing I think uh, that has changed this year is the outside shot, as you had mentioned. But for Giannis, the domination inside has been because of the outside. Because not everybody used to be, he'd go through a car wash of arms, three, four guys collapsing on him. Now everybody's got to pay attention to the perimeter. He usually gets a lot of one-on-ones, one-on-two, maybe a double team down below. But we all know he can get through that. That's been one of the biggest things is that it's just kind of spread it out, let it go. And everybody's been flourishing, I think, because of that. Absolutely. You know, like I said earlier, I think the freedom that Bud gives us to shoot the ball, the confidence everybody has in shooting the ball, um, people are shooting higher percentages, people are shooting more and, and making more threes. And then I think the addition of Brooke and Ursan stretching the floor as bigs, it brings those fours, it brings those fives out of the paint. So guys like me, guys like Giannis, Bledsoe can really drive the ball and, you know, play one-on-one, -on -one, get into the rim. Now, I, I know that you're not a social media guy during the season, but with the success of this team, I, I think it's not just Milwaukee. I think it's all the cities in the state of Wisconsin. They're starting to look over the fence going, hey, this is something to pay attention to. Recognition starting to go through the roof everywhere you go? Uh, I don't really go many places. Many so places? I, can't, <laughs> I, can't, I can't speak to that. But um, we got to get you out more, man. Yeah, I might need to get out more, I'm sure. <laughs> now, do you feel, though, that the Milwaukee Bucks are respected for what they've done? I guess, you know, there's certain markets that obviously get the attention, whether they're winning or right. losing, and there's certain markets that – 
sometimes are maybe not given the credit. The Bucks are they're, they're number one. They've been there for the whole season pretty much. And do you feel like the Bucks are respected right now around the league or maybe people no, aren't recognizing? I do. They're little things. You know, I'm a guy. I watch ESPN. I like to see highlights. I like to see what's going on with other sports. And occasionally a show will be on, and they'll be talking about the Bucks. So people are, are now giving us respect. Um, because of how we've performed this season, because of our consistency, um, because of what Giannis is doing, because of what Coach Bud has sort of put in place here. Is there anything you can take when you can say, maybe they like us, maybe we're doing some neat things, but maybe they don't really respect us until we get to the postseason and get some wins. So you got to have something that you can throw as a chip on your shoulder to say, we, we got to go take the world out. That is honestly how I feel. I, I think we're having a great season. We could go, you know, we could beat the record, the, the Warriors record and win, you know, 80 games this season. But that doesn't matter if you get put out in the first round. So for us, it's about making it to the second round and making it to the Eastern Conference Finals because we really believe we have the team to do it. I was just going to ask you, do you believe you got a team that can compete with anybody at this point? Absolutely. Because I, I, we were trying to figure out the other day who in a seven-game series maybe would take you to the wall. I know Indiana really put a defensive show on when you guys played them down there. I know the Toronto Raptors, you got them two to three, two, uh, two out of three games, but they figured out a little bit in their last matchup with you guys. But I don't think there's anybody in a seven-game series that you could just circle and go, "Oh no, they got the box number." Oh no, I don't, not anymore. Yeah, not anymore. He says with a smile, yeah. uh, "You got, you got to like." <laughs> Do you think is there anybody that would match up real well with them that you think could take them, Steve? No, I mean the Eastern Conference is strong. I mean I don't think there's any question. But you know, to Malcolm's point, the the Bucks have proven who they are this year. They beat the good teams. They've proven yeah. that. Look. They're number one for a reason, and I think you saw Giannis and Thon and those guys go out after the Orlando game, you know. And it's not for cameras; it's not for show. These are guys. This is who they've consistently been. They put in that work after a game where you guys won. Those guys were out there getting the work in after the game. Yeah. So I think that to Malcolm's point, this is a team that works. They keep their nose down. It's day by day, and they believe they can beat everybody. But until they do it in the postseason. If you want to on their shoulder, I like it. If you want to find us on Facebook, it is Milwaukee MKE Basketball Hour, MKE B-Ball Hour. Same thing on Instagram, and you can find us on Twitter as well. Thanks to everybody for coming out tonight. Our inaugural one for the 2019 campaign. Thanks to Malcolm Brogdon. Steve, we're going to be back again real soon, man. A couple yes, weeks we will. we'll be back from this. We'll back. I'm Bill Michaels. Thanks to everybody for coming out. Time for us to go. Have a go and trip. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. 